0: and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Kastogrow, and I'm here today with the Butterflies Embrace Perinatal Bereavement Team, and we are going to be talking about bereavement care. So with me today is Mary Beth Dunigan. Mary Beth is the perinatal bereavement counselor and the community liaison. Rachel Ryan, who's also joining us today, she is the certified child life specialist and Leanne Sutton, who is a perinatal bereavement coordinator. How are y'all this morning? We're
1: doing good. Well. Great, thank good. you.
0: Thank y'all for coming in. Thank you. So today we're going to be talking about the specific part of their program that has to deal with bereavement care. Bereavement care is a specialized type of care to support people who are grieving. And that is mainly what Mary Beth and Rachel deal with is families who have lost children. Uh, and it's it's usually the post-care, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Leanne, how about you just kind of dive into sure. specifics?
1: So first of all probably need to explain why bereavement care is so important. When we're training staff, when we're talking with physicians, I always try to make that emphasize why is bereavement care so important. Because when a family is actually in the hospital at the point of delivery and the few days after that, we really focus on trying to create, you know, some positive time, explaining that they need to love each other and support each other as a family and so we start focusing not just on mom and dad at that time we begin to focus on the entire family so that's why Rachel's so important that's why Mary Beth is so important and so that kind of leads us into a conversation about what is bereavement care and why do we focus on that so much why do we not just stop caring for a family when they leave the hospital and it's really because the needs continue there are so many things that can happen in a family's life after a tragedy after a trauma and so we really want to make sure that they have the support they need and that's where Mary Beth and Rachel are so influential in kind of guiding them through conversations not only in about their children, but about how a family could cope together and what are risk factors and what are things that we could, you know, help with, what are resources that we have available in our community. So Mary Beth, tell us just a little bit about what what are some of the things that we see typically that are red flags for us when a family leaves the hospital? What do we look for to make sure they're coping well?
2: One of the things that we do after a family leaves the hospital is we contact with them that first week after they leave. And then within that first month, we will send them a Edinburgh screening tool that kind of scales the level of depression, anxiety that they are going through. And um, we did talk about that a little bit on our last podcast about how, you know, we make sure that each family has their own specialized care and right, plan. Right. And it's every plan is different for each family. Right. So if the, the woman is married or has a partner, Or if she has children, all the different things come into play. So that's where Rachel comes in if they have children. We just kind of assess all of the needs. One thing that we do see whenever they leave the hospital is kind of depending on at what time of the loss it was also depends on the need of the of the mama. Right. right. So if it was a very early on in the pregnancy loss, those moms need things that are different than women who
1: lost full term. Exactly. Babies. Which is the reason that we don't focus on just a certain gestational age frame. We focus on every gestational age, whether that be an early loss that comes in through the ED or through an OB clinic, all the way through a full term loss or even a tragic SIDS death Mm -hmm. after, you know, the family has went home. So there are so many different types of grief just in that conversation mm-hmm. and we have to assess that and we have to figure out what the family's going through and what particular stage they're at. Yeah
2: so that's another another thing is doing that and we call it the EPDS that we we do in our first home visit that we do virtually or in the home we talk a lot about their score which is a scale of zero to 30 and we talk about their score from there we go on and either refer to counseling or follow up with their OB doctor to discuss if there's any type of anxiety, depression meds that need to be given, med management, right, counseling, all that stuff. And so, that's
1: really a tough conversation. I mean, oh yeah, most families, you know, especially the mom, her hormones are already in just complete imbalance, and mm-hmm. then you add anxiety and depression on top of that. So most moms automatically say, "What to us? I really don't think I need medication, right?" And we have to sometimes say it's really okay for you to take care of yourself now. Like, no one's going to do this but you, and you have to figure out your own way, whether that be through medication or with additional therapy or with more frequent visits from you.
2: Yeah, and so another thing that I have noticed is that women who sometimes, most of the time, decline the medicine or think they don't need the medicine are women who have
1: other children in the home. And that's very, like, understandable they don't Mm -hmm. want to be in a fog right they don't want to not feel or not be able to be happy with their other children and they're really scared about that because that's what society has told them that these medicines are going to change them Mm -hmm. their personality and we have to you know really address that I've heard you talk with moms many times and you've explained that it will give you a way to manage it differently it will not change you, right? you'll still have the feelings, but it will give you a better way to manage those feelings mm-hmm. and help your children learn how to manage their feelings as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Sometimes another way that I've, that I've talked about it with people who have other children in the home is that it helps you to take care of your other children. If you have a medication that can just get you through the day, it doesn't have to be a large dose, but right. just something that Right. like you say, takes the edge off. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they have other children in the home and then they're trying to grieve, take care of themselves, those other children see the worst of Ma mm-hmm. in those few weeks after, months after she can leave the hospital. So it's all about taking care of yourself, right? which we talk about a lot, a lot. <laughs> is self-care. Yeah. Another thing is, this goes back to specialized plan per patient, is Uh, Mamas who have seen a counselor, it doesn't work, but they still don't want to take medication is we have researched every natural type of way to try to find different ways, try to find different ways for these mamas to help with their grief. So we've gone as far as there's a flotation therapy center right here in Jackson that a lot of people don't know about exactly that just floating on water can just mm-hmm. ease those anxieties and
1: and a lot of times we don't push one way or the other we right. don't say every family needs to consider medication every family needs to consider therapy but we use that kind of analogy that in conjunction in collaboration together mm-hmm. these are some of the things that we know will help you and doesn't have to be long term doesn't have to be you know for a long period of your life but Once you try, once you put yourself out there to figuring out what's going to work for you, you'll begin to see the differences that it can make in your life. And so we don't push either way, but we offer so many different alternatives Mm -hmm. that families may not realize that we have here in our community.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have lots of great resources. You have lots of great connections with counselors from Memphis to Union City Mm -hmm. and everywhere in between. You have connections to lots of great Whether the mom wants to go by herself or she wants to go with her spouse and Mm
3: -hmm.
2: her partner and have couples therapy. I think that goes back to when the first time I do talk to the mom, whether it be on the phone or in person,
1: I always ask how dad is. And that's so important. We've talked about in other podcasts why the differences between men and women grieving are so, they're so important to recognize. And it's hard for us to describe those when you're in the midst of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So kind of when you get perspective, when you maybe use some medication or an alternative therapy or actually going into counseling, you can kind of put those feelings into perspective. I'm grieving. My husband's grieving. My kids are grieving. Mm-hmm. And we all have to figure out ways that we're going to do this together Yeah, to work through that.
2: I can talk a lot about husband and wife exactly. grieving. But one thing that I am very biased to is the children grieving too. So, Rachel, if you have any
3: Yeah, I'm just sitting here listening to you all talk about the whole family and a lot of times we miss during that moment of grief, that sudden information of we're not going to have a baby to take home is what about the other kids? And, you know, sometimes we forget Mm -hmm. about the little ones because we think they don't won't understand. Right. And while that could be true of certain ages, they may not get it. They don't grasp it. They will grow and they will have questions. Yeah. And they're continuing to grow. They're Figuring out the world around them, their brain is still developing. And you're talking about moms and how they're handling their grief. You know, always talk to kids about how the brain is the boss of your body. Mm -hmm. The brain tells us what to say, the brain tells us um, when to eat, the brain tells us how we feel. And so, if we're not getting that mental help that we need, we're not doing justice to the rest of our lives no and not at all. and people around us and so i think the society thinks that that makes you weak when you ask for help and get getting that mental help when really that's the best thing you can do because the brain is the boss mm-hmm. and so just you know with siblings mom goes home dad goes home dad goes to work maybe mom's getting ready to go back to work they get back into that phase of doing and taking care and sometimes busyness and having the kids there can be a trigger for some families when there's siblings in the home because they may be asking questions or bringing up that my baby brother has died Mm -hmm. and when they say things like that that can be it that can hurt that can hurt a mom that Mm -hmm. can hurt a dad that brings those feelings back up again when they think man I was doing so well and until they said that Mm -hmm. and so Many times, if I have the opportunity to talk to mom and dad in the hospital, I will tell them there will be moments where they will say things or ask questions and it's going to be hard. And you'll think, gosh, I thought I was doing so great. And well, so I thought we'd already answered that. Question. Yeah, yeah, we already talked about that. And don't get mad because, you know, we say what's the number one question that even adults we we say the number one question is when we don't understand things, we say why? Wow. Why this? Why that? And kids, that's their favorite thing to ask Mm -hmm. also because they are trying to understand. Mm -hmm. Repeating the same questions is a common theme. And so I just encourage parents to continue to answer the same way every single time. There may be more information that you can give them as time rolls on, but most of the time it's going to be the same answer. And they need that. They need that stability. They need that answer, even if it's an I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I'm sad too. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know, but I'm mad too. Mm -hmm. They need that. Um, So don't brush it off. And I always tell moms and dads too, if you can't answer that question, if it's just not your day, because there will be days like that where it's just not your day, Mm -hmm. take that break. And who is somebody else in your family that can be that support for you? Is it your your mom or your dad or an aunt or sister or friend, whoever? Take that time out and say, I need your help today. They've got some questions or I'm just at my wits end. I just can't do it today. Can you help me? And so kind of distinguishing who are those people in your life yeah, exactly. that can be that help for you. And unfortunately, there are people families that don't have those mm-hmm. kinds of people and that's something that Mayor Beth and I have talked about is
1: we, we try to bring awareness to the family as much as we can if we've met them earlier in the pregnancy before the loss has actually occurred or if it's just at the time of delivery that the child has died We try to help them become more aware of what their options are, what their resources are, like in their community, what social support systems do they already have in place. So we kind of create like an afterbirth plan in a Mm -hmm. sense to help them understand that even though you don't have that baby with you, your needs are still the same. You're still going to be stressed. You're still going to have moments of just uncontrollable emotion even more so at that time, your kids are still going to have their needs, their their ball games, their schoolwork, those things. And so we try to help them understand you're going to need help.
3: Some of these moms, their bodies are still responding. They just had a baby. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And physically, physically, they may not be
1: able to do things.
3: Yeah. And so they have that physical reminder, but there's no baby there. Right. And that can be tough. And I know, like a lot of times, you talk about even in the, Uh, if you're at the grocery store, you may still look like you have had a baby or Mm -hmm. are pregnant or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And so people may ask questions like, how's the baby or that kind of thing. And those are, those are triggers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that, I think our crew does a great job of showing those what if moments. It doesn't mean that it's going to make it easier necessarily, but it just, it means that we're trying to take care of them and Mm -hmm. be forward thinking for them Mm -hmm. because they can't do that at that moment. Right.
2: It's kind of one of my right before I do talk to them before their six week mark, where I know they're going to be going back in for their postpartum appointment. And I, I tell them every time, you know, I just want to warn you like this postpartum appointment, it's going to be a trigger. You're going to be sitting in the waiting room Mm -hmm. with other pregnant women who are waiting on their, just a regular prenatal visit. And, It's going to be hard for you because this was the appointment that either you were going to take your baby and show them off to your OB, or Mm. a lot of times at the six week mark, you're also taking your baby to their pediatrician. So at, at my clinic, you know, for a child, you may go to your OB appointment and walk straight across and do your pediatric appointment the same day. You know, you just, it's one of those things that. It's it's a huge trigger that appointment. That's like, okay, we'll see you next year, you know. So I always tell them. I think them knowing, or not, and a lot of times they are like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. And so not being surprised whenever they do go in and having to sit back in a waiting room with other pregnant women, or sitting in the OB clinic in the patient room even can be emotional because just a few weeks prior they just were a, sitting right. there and they were pregnant yeah just yeah. a few weeks prior they were sitting there pregnant and able to hear maybe hear something on the Doppler or um, an NST or anything like exactly. that so being around all of that is just a huge trigger so I always try to at least give a little bit of warning mm-hmm. so that they know we have lean i know you have in the past that if you do know that a mom absolutely cannot handle it we do have a few obese here that have kind of let them slide in the back door exactly so they don't have to sit in the waiting room yeah. so that is one of the things that by the time you hit that four to six week mark we're going to know mm-hmm. like you're you're severely high risk You do not need to be placed in a waiting room, so that is one of the the big things that I always say it. I keep saying it. Just specialized plan,
1: (laughs) and that's why bereavement care is so important because we're trying to help them work through scenarios that they don't even have awareness of yet like that fog of being not only sleep deprived but also the physical pain now the emotional pain and and grief itself just creates a fog in your brain where you can't process information and so for someone else to be able to share this is probably what you're going to see or experience or the people around you you're going to have to work through this too that fog sometimes prevents you from making good decisions and so that person might have went to their OB clinic never thought about it and all of a sudden they're in the middle of the room and they're uncontrollable sobbing. Mm-hmm. So if you can prepare them for that and find a way, okay, so the nurse is going to come get you in the parking lot. They're going to go in the back door. You'll never see anyone else in the waiting room. Um, you won't be on the same hallway as the PEDS department. So you won't hear babies crying right. or you won't hear that mom having a Doppler with the heartbeat mm-hmm. loud and clear. So if we can just kind of lift that fog a little bit, yeah, it helps the mom to see. There are a lot of things that we have the ability to help with and Mm -hmm. that we, they trust us then they begin to let us work through those problems with them. And, and and it's, that's all, that's all we want. We just want to help. Yeah. just want to support. Yeah. I
2: think that's important too, why we have that good connection with the OB clinics in our,
1: yes, it is in our
2: area, (laughs) because there are times that once again, depending on their EPDS score, we send it to their OB. And I've talked to a couple of OBs in the last few weeks Mm -hmm. that I've, been able to say hey you know I know you have a really good relationship with this patient and maybe you can talk to them and Mm -hmm. help us out and supporting Mm -hmm. us in the decision we obviously cannot prescribe the medication so we're only suggesting we're only suggesting it and letting them know that hey we have suggested this she may be contacting you in the next couple of days to talk about being put on a medication Mm -hmm. so I just want you to know it's coming more from us than it is she woke up this morning and decided she needed a medication so they're always the ones that I've talked to just in the last couple weeks they're like oh thank you so much I tried that at her postpartum appointment she did not agree to it so thank you for talking to her again exactly so them knowing that we're here to support them Mm -hmm. and then them supporting us is it's so important it's so important
1: yeah And so something else that we haven't really focused on a lot is what services afterwards do we have for kids? I mean, a lot of times, like you mentioned before, the kids might not be on the top priority list because mom and dad have so many things on their plate when they leave the hospital, but kids need to have stability they need to have things in place to help them because we're building a foundation for them to learn how to deal with life and stress and and heightened emotion states anxieties fears and so we need those resources in place and we have so many in this area so maybe tell us a little bit more about those Rachel and tell us how we Put those in place for families.
3: Yeah. So my goal is for the families as much as possible. Even if I'm not physically present, we are all working together to make sure they don't leave here without something, without resources, yeah, in their hand for their kids. And so if I've had that chance to talk with them, of course that helps and preparing them on what to say. and It's, um, it's so helpful. Yeah, and I, a lot of parents struggle with, what if I say the wrong thing, and they think they're just going to destroy their right. kid. It's a I one-time mean, shot. Yeah. yeah, and so we talk a lot about you're coming, and, and you are as a parent, if you're coming from a place of love, you're never going to say the wrong thing, and you're always going to have the opportunity to make it right. Exactly. And so just because, and again, that's just the the circle of care as a parent is that there's going to be more opportunities that come up and so it's not a one-time shot and you learn you know parents learn you know they may think man I didn't feel good about that yeah I didn't like that conversation we just had yeah but again kids will let you know how much they need and it, it will change so we do have resources in the community and I feel like you know, there's never enough, (laughs) you know, there's just never enough, but, um, want more. Yeah. But, and, and kids are so, it's so critical for kids because, you know, they're just continuing to grow. And, and so, you know, we have places that offer music therapy and art therapy and Mm -hmm. we have great connections with them. And, and I think for a kid and and for parents too, sometimes those options feel better than say, I'm going to put my kid in therapy with a counselor. Right and it's even, a bridge for us to use to
1: help the whole family get into counseling too Like yes. help they think if you're well, helping your helping child, the child yeah. but really it's helping the parents too. yeah
3: yeah and so there's those those opportunities for kids you know they having a kid in their natural state of play of music whatever it is can open up opportunities for feelings without them really even realizing what they're doing yeah and so um, you know we have we have connections with with places like that and We've, I mean, we've even, I was trying to think of some other things. We've even had kids getting to, some jujitsu programs, mm-hmm. like learning about jujitsu, and mm-hmm. you know, it it is it is specialized according to what every parent or what every family needs. You know, we can talk a lot about these are the things we do, but it doesn't mean we do that for every family, right? And that's why bereavement care is so important because Mary Beth um, you and Leanne, y'all, you are talking to the families and learning those needs as they go along, and right. so again, it's going to change, right? So yeah, sometimes you have to get creative with it, but I think the biggest thing the biggest encouragement I try to really give to parents is you're their parent like you you are their guide you got this like you are teaching them about grief they are learning from you and so just equipping them with courage is a big thing but we do give them physical resources as well
0: yeah well this has been a lot of great information for people to understand that if you're feeling alone in these moments we have a great team here who's gonna make it their mission to make sure you feel better uh, obviously, losing a child is a very hard thing to go through. I can't speak from personal experience, but I know these guys here really do a great job of helping families get through this difficult time. If you ever have any questions for them specifically, their email addresses are going to be under their names in the description of the podcast. There's a link to WTH.org that will take you to a specific page about their services. If you ever have any other questions, feel free to email us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com. This has been another episode of We Talk Health.